This is Blind Like Me. Hello, everyone. Interviews, information, and reviews related to living with a vision disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way. Well, welcome to another edition of Blind Like Me. And uh, as we say, this podcast, uh, we find people to talk to about their vision, their vision impairment, their disability, whatever, you know, is going on in their life with their eyes. We talk to people all around the world. And this is probably the first time that I have ever done this. And this is showing you how small our world is as we are now talking to Edwina Gustafson, who is hanging out in Bathurst, Australia, and it's morning where you are and afternoon mm-hmm. where I am. Welcome to the yes. podcast, Edwina. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is this is uh, this is the first uh, first time I've ever uh, you know connected to somebody in Australia, and, oh. and I tell you, it, it it almost hurt me to figure out the time change. <laughs> There's some pretty good websites for that. <laughs> That's right, because you're you're 17 hours ahead of us. So I was like, yes, I have yes. to I have to make sure that it's it's not a, or too early for you and not too late for me. So I think we I think we have yeah. worked, I think we have worked this out. So thanks yeah, very much no, for uh, you reached you reached out to to us uh, via email, and you've kind of got an interesting story. So I want to start with the inter- <laughs> with your interesting story. Uh, the fact about your vision and the lack thereof, and as well, the fact that you didn't really have yourself diagnosed visually impaired until much later in life. So let's start with that and tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I had just starting from what you just said, Tim, I had absolutely no idea I was vision impaired. In Australia, we say vision impaired. I've noticed sure. you say visually impaired. So that works. Um, um, so um, I had no idea until uh, my mid thirties. I mean, I knew I didn't see well, mm-hmm. but I didn't. When when I was told, I was like, really? <laughs> I knew I knew I couldn't see, but you know, you don't know what other people see, so you don't really realize how little you see. Right. <laughs> um, so I. Do you want me to say about my my Diagnosis. Is that yes. What yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So when I was eight, you know, the standard test at school, and you know, they called my mum as, and, and they said, well, she she seems to be short sighted. Just you know, she can't read the blackboard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I got glasses, and they didn't really do a lot, but I didn't really know that I was young unless I wore them and did what I was told. But they didn't really. I think I used to take them off a lot because they weren't really doing much for me and so I was led to believe that I was short-sighted and I had astigmatism in my left eye and I sort of on and off with glasses for a number of years and then when I was a teenager and you know everyone's school's going off and getting their driver's license and learning to drive and I went did that and passed the theory that was all fine did the eye test and didn't do the eye test actually the lady said to me can you read that chart I'm like what chart where (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't even see where the chart was right. and I was wearing contact lenses at the time and so that was a bit of a shock for me um, and as a teenager, you know, when you just want to reach those milestones, you know, the driving and the thing mm-hmm. and you expect to reach those milestones and so that's when I really went, okay, well, something's going on here 
and I stopped wearing my glasses because they clearly weren't doing much. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually at about 21, so I didn't really wear them and I somehow travelled around the world on my own for a couple of years at 19, 18, 19, 20, something like that. I don't know how I did that, but I did that. Mm-hmm. And um, then when I came back in my early 20s, I actually decided to go searching for my vision. I had this feeling that I could see and I just tried all sorts of things, acupuncture, kinesiology, all sorts of alternative natural things, everything I could find because I felt really let down by all the optometrists that I'd seen. Um, and what I had done actually is I set myself on a path of healing and self-development for a decade, which I didn't actually realise I was doing. Um, and all the time I was like, I want to see, I want to see. That became like a mantra, possibly even a slightly an obsession, maybe not an obsession, but a very strong intention anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, so I wasn't wearing glasses. I'm just trying to think what happened. And I was a massage therapist during those years, um, not because I couldn't see, but just purely because I was very drawn to that work. Right. And so being in that work environment on my own in a room with people, I didn't have to encounter the kinds of things that would maybe have made me realise mm-hmm. what my vision was like. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't sitting at a computer. I wasn't out and about. I was in a non-visual mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I found myself picking up on stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> with my clients more and more and more and the short story of that is that I transitioned from being a massage therapist to a psychic without realizing it mm-hmm. it just it's what people called me I didn't call myself that right. I found people come to me because they heard their friends had had some good advice from me or some insight right. and short story is that people stopped wanting to get on the table and they just, the massage table, they just <laughs> wanted to ask questions. Then they stopped coming in and they started phoning me and then I went online and here we are. So that's what I do now, mostly, well, entirely online, uh-huh. um, phone. And um, when I started doing that work, I lost my vision for close-up. So I have what we call in this country, I don't know if you use this term, I have a print disability, which means I can't read regular print at Right, all. Okay. Um, so I've lost my close-up vision now, but that happened pretty swiftly at the same time that the other vision, if you like, mm-hmm. started. So you kind of yeah. went, you kind of went from one vision into the, yeah. into the next. What was, yeah. uh, walk me through the whole experience of, of losing what you had, but then gaining what you have. Oh, that was pretty far out. Um, so I, reading was never easy for me, but I didn't realize it. I remember in primary school feeling quite self-conscious about, you know, reading aloud. You know, you go around the classroom when you're young and you read one sentence, the next person reads the next sentence or paragraph or whatever. And I used to dread those early, you know, primary school. <laughs> I remember uh, those. I, to, I remember those days. Yep. How, how were they for you? Did you, could you <laughs> oh, read that? I was, the you sa- read? I was the same thing. I mean, I could, 
I could read, but it was still, it was a, it was a challenge for me. Uh, nose, nose in the book. <laughs> yeah. Nose in the book or, uh, you know, I don't know if they have them in Australia, but back in the day, uh, we had the closed circuit TVs that had the little cameras on them. They were called visual techs. Uh, and uh, I still hate, I still just, I still didn't do it. And even today I don't like doing it. If somebody says, you know, you me neither. To, yeah, it's like, me no, yeah, no, I have, there's technology that can do that for you now. Uh, so continue with that. That was a challenge for you then. So, so reading was always difficult. I didn't know it was difficult. I just thought I had this fear of reading aloud. Um, and I was read slowly, which obviously it was such a strain. And pretty quickly after my work was transitioning, if I can say before my eyes, I was going, well, what is going on here? Um, pretty quickly, the vision that I did have for reading, which was you know, I could, get, I could read the newspaper and stuff pretty quickly, and I'm talking like weeks, a couple of months, my ability to read disappeared mm -hmm. at the same time that my massage clients started wanting to talk to me on the phone and not coming in to see me and right, right. get their gear off and get on the table. Right. Pretty much happened at the same time, and I honestly I thought I was going a bit crazy for a moment there. Wow. It, was all, it all happened very quickly, and it wasn't, I wasn't, I was like an observer. Um, people were stopped referring to me as a massage therapist and started referring to me as a psychic. I'm like, what, what, what? People would call and say, my friend came to see you for a reading. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought that was a massage. And so it was all happening at the same time I was losing my vision for print. So you can mm. imagine that was a lot to um, digest. <laughs> and who did, you, who did you reach out to when, when that started happening? Uh, you started losing the sight. Um, you know, what was the steps of, of trying to get yourself through that? Um, a lot of time on my own, sitting in a room, <laughs> thinking. Okay. Um, I was, I was, I was, um, I was doing quite regular yoga classes at the time. It was actually the Bikram yoga at the time. And I, I found myself um, sharing with the yoga teacher a fair bit, and, mm -hmm. and that was very supportive at the time. Um, my husband, who thought he married a, you know, slightly blurry vision massage therapist, found himself married to a vision impaired psychic. So poor mm -hmm. guy. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there for just a second. That that must have been uh, quite the switch for him then. Uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for us as a couple, yes. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he was in there and and he's 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 been great. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was it was a big change and I I didn't see it coming. <laughs> which, <laughs> so kind of funny. That's, o that's okay, nobody ever does. No, um in hindsight I can see that the decade or so of being a massage therapist and living with a vision impairment for so many years, some decades without realising it was actually, my vision was that poor. Mm -hmm. um, I can see how my intuition was, I can see it was always there. In mm -hmm. hindsight, I can see mm -hmm. that I was, yeah, it was always there. Right. And it was always my way, my vision was always, my way of seeing things was always very intuitive. Um, so, no, my husband's been great. He's He's... Yeah, we've we've adjusted to to the change, um, and so so then when I lost my vision for reading, I was like, all right, I can't see far, I can't see close, I'm really in a pickle. Yeah, um, and I also didn't know I was vision impaired, so I'm like, 
I'm going back to the optometrist. And I went to an optometrist, which I hadn't done for, I would say it'd been 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And because it was always hopeless, you know, so many of them just scratched their heads and went, mm, that's weird. You know, and I've seen so many specialists mm-hmm. and things in my, mm, mm-hmm. it was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so I went back, I'm like, all right, we need to do something here. I need, to, I need something. Right. <laughs> Give me something. And I've been, I've realized that glasses don't help me for, for long distance. So mm. but we give me reading glasses, perhaps. And that was a flop. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that actually made it worse. And we, you know, the test, you can't do the test if you can't read the charts. Correct. What's the point? Right. What's the point? Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so after the appointment, she was very nice and I was standing out there paying signing paper, whatever I was doing, I can't remember, at the reception area. And I said to her, so people just, you know, it was like a by the way. I said to her, by the way, like, people always ask me about my vision and, you know, what do I see? And I never know how to answer that question. What, what, what can I say? I thought maybe she would have a language that would be convenient. And she just looked up, I remember. She just looked up at me and she said, you do know that you're vision impaired, don't you? And I just, I actually didn't believe it. Took me a little bit of time there to mm. accept that. But in that moment, I was like, it was such a relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was such a relief. And even though I, I took a few days, I was going to say just days to digest it, straight away I was like, wow, I have words I can say to people. I, I you know, because I had a life of, of, not using a cane, not wearing glasses, not being able to see and sometimes needing to ask for help or doing things that showed that something's going on with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say, oh, I think you need glasses or oh, your glasses don't work or uh, maybe you need new glasses or, right. you know, mm, so much. So to so go much. so to go through, through um, life, and then realize and have it finally diagnosed, as you say, in your 30s. Mm. That must have been, as you say, it was a bit of a shock and it took you a little bit to, to you know, mm. accept it and understand it. But to the, mm. person, to the person who's listening to this, mm. they're going to ask the question, and the question is, why did it take so long for someone to actually tell you the fact that your vision, <laughs> that your vision impaired? Because, um, because I mean, you know, to the rest of us, like myself, who has been visually impaired uh, or, you know, partially sighted for my entire life, um, you know, they knew at a very, very young age. Uh, and many other people have had the same thing or they've lost their vision due to, you know, medical condition. But here you've gone through life and obviously you've done very well with yourself. You've traveled, you've become a massage therapist. Um and, and, you know, life has gone as normal for you as it was. And then all of a sudden, boom, life, cha- <laughs> life changes. Well, so look, the fact didn't change. I, I knew I didn't have good vision. Right. I just didn't have a label. So you were waiting for the label. No one would label yeah. you. No one would label you then. Well, Look, I think I maybe it's maybe we're slow in Australia. I don't know, but look, I grew up in the seventies. No, I, I take that back. I, I grew up in the seventies and the eighties, and 
Yeah. I never heard those terms. Okay. You know, yeah. vision impaired. I you know, I heard blind. I wasn't. I'm not blind. I knew I wasn't right. blind. People right. used to always say, "I'm blind as a bat." Blind as a bat. I've had that. Like that's really annoying. Right. Um, my mum tells a story that when I was about five in kindergarten, when I first went to school, apparently I came home and I said, "Oh, this is great." We sit on the floor. The teacher reads. Um, a story to us and then she turns the book around and holds it up so we can see the blank pages and imagine what the scene might look like or what the characters right. might look like right so that's pretty much <laughs> how I roll <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so I always had bad vision I was always vision impaired I always knew I actually always knew I was having a different experience it's a very visual society mm-hmm. in, you know mm-hmm. jumping mm-hmm. in their cars and away they go right yep. yeah and 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 looking, looking is such a dominant, seeing is such a dominant, vision is such a dominant sight for fully sighted people. Mm-hmm. Do- dominant, no, dominant sight, that's not what I mean. A dominant um, sense. Mm-hmm. It's a very visual society. So I always knew I was having a bit of a different experience right. in, in that regard and mm-hmm. I always knew I struggled to see things. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the label. So I grew up in the 70s and 80s when there wasn't the label. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, let's say I... I gave the optometry world a wide berth, so perhaps <laughs> I didn't give myself the opportunity to be diagnosed. And then early 2000s, I walked into an optometrist and this lovely lady gave me this label, which has been incredibly liberating. I love it. Okay, it's and the- that's the next thing. It's liberating for you. It's changed. Oh. It, you have a label now. So what is what is changed now that you have this quote-unquote label? Oh, just my life. <laughs> okay, explain to me that and how. Um, because now I I didn't have an ID cane at first. That took a few years. It was actually when I moved out of the city to a smaller place and don't have friends and family around. I've got my husband, but I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be in town, it's just, I, I'm, I need something. So mm-hmm. I started, I've got both canes now. I prefer the ID cane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want people to see. You know, she's not this lady over there who's stumbling, trying to get out of this shop because she can't see the steps. She's not drunk or on drugs. She's yeah. obviously got something going on with her vision. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure sometimes I've looked a bit freaky, you know, peering at something and stumbling. So I use my ID cane when I'm out and about on my own, if I'm catching a train to Sydney or if I'm, I use that if I need to be in a big shopping centre or something on my own, I use my ID cane. I ask for help. Mm-hmm. I say, hi, I'm vision impaired. Could you please help me? Yep. And and that, um, that right there, you have made a jump that a lot of people have a have a, a challenge asking for help. You've you've let, you've overcome that already because that is a challenge for a lot of people. I I urge people to have an IDK, not for themselves, not because they need it, because the rest of the world needs to know. Mm-hmm. How can people tell? How can people know that you don't see well if it's not obvious? Right. Um, and people like to, people have been really nice. I've I've had good experiences. People are, I can't think of a bad experience I've had. Could you please help me? I can't see. Right. And sometimes you can't find the person to ask for help, so you have to ask somebody else right. as well. You right. know, people will say, just find someone, ask for help. <laughs> Not so easy right. if you're in a train station or something. Yep. So sometimes people offer to help. Um, 
and people like to do good deeds. Mm-hmm. I believe people like to be that good Samaritan or that helpful person and, you know, let's give them those opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people feel good if they, they help you with something. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that. Do so you do? I, I, I agree with you 110%. People, people love oh, the opportunity nice. to be able to to be able to help each other, and uh, it must be that friendly Australian uh, uh, life you've got down there. We always hear how friendly <laughs> Australians are, and I think we're in, here in Canada. We're the same thing, and I mean, you know, people are people are, are willing to help people whenever they ask, and I think that's a great thing. I think the stumbling block is that a lot of people who are visually impaired or or blind or you know are scared to to ask for help, and that's something that we have talked a lot about. Uh, over a few episodes on here is is yes. ask, is asking for help. Make sure you ask. You're an amazing lady, and I think it's really cool that you have lost your vision but found a, a vision in another way, and I wish you nothing but success going forward. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a comment or a suggestion about future casts, drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.